Mike, it's been a few days since the season ended. I imagine the sting has not gone away yet. No. Uh, you know, I don't know if the sting ever truly goes away, at least um, until you get to get back out on the field. You know, we've talked about it after after losses and, and how bad it sucks to go on a bye week after a loss. Well, uh, we're going on a six-month bye week. Now, granted, we won our last game, so you get a little bit of reprieve from that. You get to feel good about that win and remember what winning feels like. But... You know, it's still a loss, of course, because uh, we fell short of, you know, our ultimate goal, which was a Grey Cup championship. And, and the most disappointing and, and frustrating part is we didn't even get the opportunity to battle in the playoffs because you always say, you know, you just got to get to the playoffs and anything can happen once you're there. But uh, when you don't get there, you don't even get the chance. And, and that's going to sting for a while. There's no doubt. This was a 9-9 nine and nine team. And as the old saying goes, you are what your record says you are. Yep. But you're better than a 9-9 team, don't you think? I know expectations are obviously higher. It just seemed that a lot of things went the wrong way for the 2018 Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah, I mean, we had the potential to be a much better team. But as they say, potential means nothing if you you don't take advantage of it and, and become that, you know, and and we were a 9 and 9 team and I'm not going to sugarcoat it and act like you know we should have been the first in the west or anything like that but the potential was there and the opportunities were there um, but football happens you know and it's uh it's a fine line between winning and losing and those opportunities were there and if if a couple of things would have gone differently for us uh, yeah, we could have we could have been first in the West, you know, could have, should have, would have, but we weren't. And um, you know, out of our nine losses, I, I truly believe that there was seven of them that we had opportunities to win. You know, at home against Hamilton, home against Winnipeg, uh, we got our butts kicked in those games. But everything else in the fourth quarter, we were either leading or we were within one score and had an opportunity, and we didn't get the job done. But that is the difference between being a championship team and not. And so you have to look at that honestly and figure out why. We fell short in those scenarios, and you have to figure out how to fix it so that it never happens again. And if we can do that, we will all be better for it. You were 5-2 and two at one point. You were 6-3 and three at one point in the race for first place in the West. It seems if you go back to that game in early August in Vancouver, you're up 20-10 to 10 at the half, and the season just seemed to fall apart at that point on. What happened? Yeah, it, you know, it did. I think when we when we won the Labor Day rematch game uh, against Calgary, everything was kind of firing on all cylinders, and, and certainly offensively it was. Uh, and then we went on a bye week, which was kind of unfortunate because it kind of takes all the momentum out of your sales. Uh, but that's that's the schedule. That's pro football. you got to be able to deal with those types of things. But, yeah, that game in Vancouver um, was not uh, a good game for us, and, and it was an opportunity that we let slip by. Had we won that game, uh, we would have owned the season series with the game still left to play against BC, and it would have put us in a much better situation. Um, you know, instead we're on the outside looking in now because of that. But uh, it was it was a, a it was a team loss. You know, in in every sense of the word, because in the first half of the game we had been playing really well, um, put up a couple of touchdowns. Defense had been playing great. Um, special teams had been doing their thing, but then the meltdown was in full effect because. Special teams gave up a touchdown. Um, offensively, we we couldn't string together a first down, and we had some turnovers. And defensively, we gave up points. And and that was, you know, you say you win as a team and you lose as a team. Well, we certainly found a way to lose as a team in that game. And that was kind of the theme um, for us all year was that, you know, when we did lose, it was a, a team loss where we needed some somebody to step up whether it's OD or special teams, you needed somebody to step up and, and kind of stop the bleeding and, and halt the momentum and get it back in our direction. And we never were able to achieve that where 
the year prior in 2017, we were in very similar scenarios throughout most of the season, and we always found a way to make something good happen. So uh, you got to look at, at both of those years and figure out what the, why it was different, why we failed in 18 when we didn't in 17, and, and figure out how to fix that. The defense, I thought, got better as the season went along and was playing really well near the end of the year. Uh, you look at the offense, it's Mike Riley, C.J. Gable, Darrell Walker, Duke Williams, Kenny Stafford, Vidal Hazleton, Bryant Mitchell. It's hard to believe that those names had trouble at times producing points and yards when you needed them most. Yeah, for sure, and and that's certainly disappointing. Again, something that we all got to look at and figure out how to improve from it. Um, again, they, those are a lot of very good football players, and we we had a great offense throughout most of the season, but when we weren't clicking, it was it was devastating. You know, I mean, looking back on it now, we, as far as I know, I wish Dave was here; uh, he could help <laughs> me out. But uh, I believe we had over you know seven thousand yards in offense, and in every offensive statistical category, we're we're somewhere in the top three. You know, and that's hard to do uh, unless you you have the ability to be a great offense. But again, it was. One of those scenarios where when, when you needed something to happen most, we weren't able to get it done. And defensively, it was the same way. I thought our guys, you know, they did. They improved over the course of the season, and, and I thought they played really, really well at times. And, and down the stretch, they played great. Um, but, you know, they're not free from it either. They, they couldn't get stops when we needed to get stops, and offensively, we couldn't stay on the field when we needed to. So when... When you're a great team, you play complementary football, and when one side of the ball is down and not not able to get the job done, the other one steps up and takes care of business. And we didn't do that very well this year, um, you know. And, and having uh, the firepower that we had offensively, that's disappointing because uh, during the times when our defense was playing really well. Uh, that's when you want to take advantage of it and stretch a lead out, and, and we didn't do it. Or at times when our defense was struggling, we weren't able to go out there and string together a long drive and put some points on the board and give them a breather and things like that. And, and again, vice versa. Offensively, when we struggled, you know, that's when you need your defense to step up and get a two and out and give you field position. And so we just didn't play off of each other very well, and that's something that you certainly need to have if you're going to play good football. You made it pretty clear on Sunday in your exit meeting with the media that uh, you have no issues with head coach Jason Moss, no issues coming back to play for Jason Moss again. Um, yeah. Talk about him, and, and he's obviously under the under the microscope right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's what pro sports is. Anytime that you fall short, everything's going to get evaluated, and the microscope, uh, you know, gets bigger. And, um, you know, that's that's fine. We all understand that. We deal with that pressure every single day, and that's nothing new to us. Um, but in terms of Jason, he's a guy that is extremely passionate about football in general, but but about the Edmonton Eskimos. You know, he spent most of his career here as a player, and he's a guy that really does love this city, love this team, and takes a lot of pride in what he does. Um, you know, I see more firsthand than probably anybody else the work that he puts in uh, because I'm there all day, every day at the stadium, and I, and I see how much it means to him, and I see what he goes through to try to get prepared to get us ready to play a football game, and I think that the guys all understand that on the team. They appreciate it, um, and they play hard for him, and I think that was the example of that was the last game of the season when we weren't playing for a playoff game and nobody mailed it in. You know, everybody showed up to work on time, ready to go with a ton of energy and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, but Jason's a great coach, and, and he's going to get – uh, you know, his fair share of criticism, and, and he's okay with that, but he's a third-year head coach, you know, and we've been to two division finals, and uh, and our worst season this year, which was not a good season, was 9-9, nine and nine, you know, and there's, I think, five teams in the league that have a better record than us, and uh, and 
couple a team that has a worse record is playing in the playoffs and that, hosting yeah and hosting yeah. a playoff game so you know that's the deal and and that's fine that's pro sports and of course we need to improve it wasn't up to our standards we all know that you know and and not making it to the playoffs is not good enough and not only that we expect to be competing for first in our division um you know but you look at everybody wants to jump to things really quick. It wasn't that long ago that, that people were screaming for Mike O'Shea's head, you know. And now Winnipeg's one of the favorites going into the playoffs. Everybody thinks they're, they're one of the favorites to win the Grey Cup. Same thing with Matt Nichols, you know. Two months ago, they, everybody in that fan base wanted to cut him and move on. Um, but you got to look at it realistically. And, you know, nobody's calling for Rick Campbell's head. Nobody's calling for June Jones's head. We have a better record than June Jones has. And everybody's talking and about a great job. Over the last few years. And that's the thing is, is you know, you, we dealt with all the injuries and go 12 and 6 last year. And, and this year, again, fell short. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that. You know, this was not a good season for us. And, and we had much higher expectations than that. Um, and when you're hosting the Grey Cup, of course, there's going to be a lot more emotions uh, from everybody. But at the end of the day, you know, you sit back, you take the emotion out of it, and you look at the X's and O's, and and is he smart with football, and is he learning, and is he going to improve from things that happened this year? And I believe yes. You know, I believe that all of us will, but we all have to because you don't ever want to be in this situation again, of course. Um, and and if if I walked in and talked to him, and and I got the feeling that that he just felt we were unlucky and nothing needed to change, um, you know, then I might feel a little differently. But I, I think he knows that he's learned a lot from this year and this team has, and, and he's got, uh, you know, a plan moving forward of how to improve and be better and make those changes. So that's something that gives you confidence for sure. Does the decision the Eskimos have to make on Jason Moss have anything to do with the decision you have to make later this offseason? Well, I mean, I think everybody that is potentially going into their free agency on their contract um, has to look at every decision that, that every team makes. And so, yes, of course. Um, you know, you want to know when you're going into a situation, you know, what you're dealing with and you want to know what direction that a club's moving. And those are all things that you evaluate. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I would never feel confident about putting myself in a situation where I didn't know who was leading the team. I didn't know who you're playing for and all those kinds of things. So, um, you know, I'm in a situation, thankfully, where I don't, I don't have to make a rushed decision and I can look at all the different factors that are important to me. Uh, and what I look for in a franchise and a team and all of that. And, of course, Edmonton has lived up to the billing uh, for all six years that I've been here, and, and I love Edmonton. Um, I tell you guys all the time the pride that I have when I put the jersey on, and I love playing in green and gold. Um, you know, But in terms of making these types of decisions, there's no reason for any player to rush it. And on top of that, the CBA is going to have a huge effect on a lot of guys that are going into free agency and things like that. But I think when you're in a situation that you're not under contract for next season, you definitely look at all the moves that your team makes. Um, and you look at the moves that every team around the league makes because, you know, the time that you have to play this game as a player is fleeting. And you want to make sure that the scenarios that you're in fit all the criteria that you you hold important to you. And so, you know, who your coach is is, is very high on that list, of course. Money, obviously, a, a key part of every negotiation between a team and a player, but you've said before, and you just kind of alluded to it, there's more to it. That. What are some of the other things that you look for and some of the other things that you want to have in place, whether it be on the field or off the field, for the decision you have to make? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, we 
we play this game as professional athletes. It's it's our job, and it's uh, it's how we provide for our families. I've said it before, you know, and and this is how we earn a paycheck. So the financial part of it is is very high on that list of importance. But um, you know, when you've been able to play this game for a while and you're a veteran, you start to understand that although that the financial point is important, uh, there's a lot of other things on your list of priorities, and and the financial part probably isn't at the very top. Um, being in a situation where you're happy, uh, is, is huge, you know, and, and winning cures everything, of course. Um, but showing up to work, the amount of time that I spend at the office every single day during the season, um, football affects everything about my life. You know, my attitude when I come home and I'm around my family is affected by football. And I think, you know, my wife, she loves football, uh, but I think she takes a a deep sigh of relief during the off season because she goes, okay, we can just have a, a couple of normal months where Mike's, you know, not going to be all over the map in terms of being happy or upset or, or all that stuff, because, you know, he doesn't have to deal with the week in and week out, uh, you know, mood swings of winning and losing. So making sure you're in a scenario where you're going to be happy um, and, and you feel like you can show up and put all that time in and it's worth something, um, you know, winning, winning to me is the most important thing. Um, at this stage in my career, and it, it's been at that at every stage of my career, but certainly now, you know, you look at it and go, I remember what it was like to win a Grey Cup in 2015. I remember that feeling, and it was the greatest feeling I've ever had when it comes to, to pro football. Um, but that seems like, you know, a lot decades ago in my mind. It, it, you know, the memories are, are more and more fuzzy every year because it seems like it's been such a long time ago, and you want that feeling again. Um, and you, you have to make sure that the organization that, you, that you're putting yourself into play for um, has the pieces in place and is moving in the direction that you feel gives you the best chance to win and be successful and win championships. And, um, you know, everything that I've, that I've been around Edmonton with, I believe that's, that's something that we're always trying to achieve. And I believe that we have the talent in our locker room uh, to get to that point. But this year was certainly an eye-opener to say, that the talent's not enough, that, you know, we need to make sure that we evaluate all these different things and, and figure out why we didn't get to that point. Because you don't want to, you know, I, I spent a lot of time talking to Kevin this year, and Kevin's had a great career so far, and who knows if it's going to continue or not. Um, but I know that he wishes that he had that feeling of being a great cup champion, and that's something that he hasn't tasted yet. And you realize how important and, and how challenging that really is. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I want to get the message out there clearly. There is nothing in your mind that prohibits you from coming back to Edmonton next year. No, I mean, I, I, I tell you guys all the time, and I've said it a lot this week, you know, everything about Edmonton has been amazing. I've been very blessed to be here. Um, you know, when I first came here in 2013, I didn't really know – a lot about the organization, didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And, and it's been, you know, one of the best experiences that I could have hoped for in terms of pro football, because this city really does feel passionately about their team. Um, it's important to them. And that's what you that's what you want to have as a player. You want to play somewhere where, you know, people pay attention and people care about what happens out there on the field. Um, you know, and I've I've loved everything that that playing for Edmonton and playing for the Eskimos has offered me over the last six years. And that's not lost on me, um, you know, but at the same time, you don't come into these scenarios very often in your career uh, where, you know, you have the potential to become a free agent and you can really sit back and look at the landscape of everything and, and, and truly, totally evaluate 
your own organization and where they fall in line with everybody else and, and what direction everybody's moving. Um, and thankfully for me, that doesn't have to be a decision that's made today or tomorrow because I'm the type of guy uh, with everything in my life that likes to sit down and really get his thoughts out. You know, I write everything down on paper and I, I get everything written down so I can go through it and, and figure out where my priorities are and where things fall into that. Um, and that's not a process that can be done in 24 hours, 48 hours. That's a process for me that takes weeks and, and sometimes months. Um, and there's a lot of changes around our league. There's potential changes within our own organization. There's potential changes within other organizations and all of those things. And that picture will get clearer and clearer as the weeks and months go ahead. But right now there, and again, the league itself with the CBA and with the other players in this league that uh, have timed their contracts up to end because of the CBA, there's a lot of changes in this league that are going to happen over the next three or four months. And so uh, you got to sit back and evaluate all that stuff. I know you're not a big fan of talking about yourself and your numbers and your accomplishments, and I know your team first, but Tom Wilkinson, Warren Moon, Matt Dunnigan, Damon Allen, Tracy Ham, Ricky Ray, there's been some great quarterbacks that have come through Edmonton. Uh, you're amongst, your numbers are amongst the best of all those quarterbacks. How much does your legacy in Edmonton play a part of your decision? Well, I think any player hopes to be in a scenario where they could could try to have a legacy that they can look back on and be proud of, um, you know, and I'm no different than that, of course. I take a lot of pride in, in what we accomplish here in Edmonton, and I also have a very good understanding of the history of this team and the players that have come before me, and I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of those names that you just said. Um, you know, Tom Wilkinson and Warren Moon, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet on a number of occasions. Um, and, and Ricky's a guy that I would consider a friend. I've spent a lot of time over the last five or six years during off-season appearances kind of getting to know him, uh, and he's a great guy. And those are people that I look up to, and those are people that, you know, you'd be honored to have your name um, even mentioned in, in the same breath as any of those guys. Um, but, yeah, you know about the history. When you become a quarterback for the Edmonton Eskimos, you know the history that, that is this franchise has when it comes to quarterback play. And uh, you you always strive to put your name, you know, into those categories. Um, and so that's important, but that's not the be-all, end-all to me is I, I tell Dave all the time, you know, the stats I don't much care about because there's way too many different variables that go into those stats. The one thing that, you know, isn't a stat is the ring on your finger, and, and we've got one here in Edmonton during my time, um, you know, but but one's not enough for me to, to feel happy. Uh, you know, if I could finish my career with three or four or five, that would mean more to me than any record book you could ever have. And I think that, uh, you know, Ricky is a guy that I look at and go, man, he, he won four uh, to this point in his career, and that is incredibly impressive. And I think all of us are trying to chase that. Um, but, it, again, the Edmonton Eskimo franchise is a storied one and uh, one that if you're lucky enough to be – uh, mentioned in the top there, then uh, then you were put in a good scenario with a lot of good players, but it's something that you would take a lot of pride in too. All right, last one for you as uh, we get set to go into the playoffs. I know you're not involved, which is the worst thing of all, but uh, you got some friends who are involved. I know you're good friends with Travis Lulee. Yeah, none uh, of them are my friends with, until the season's yeah, done. Yeah, exactly. I don't like any of them. <laughs> uh, Matt Nichols uh, you've spent a lot of time with over the years. Uh, are you picking a horse in these playoffs? Man, I'm really not. Um, I wouldn't anyway, but this year of all years, 
I, you can't. I mean, if, if, if I had to put money on something, I would just kiss that money goodbye because this is the craziest year that I've seen. And there's been a lot of wild ones. Um, you know, in the last two years, the champion has not been the team that you would have expected. Uh, but this year, as I said, Winnipeg was written off a while back, you know, and now they're, they're everybody's favorite. Um, Saskatchewan, it's like one week they're world beaters, the next week they are terrible. And, and you just can't really get a good feel for them because they can come out and, and they can stomp anybody, um, but they can also get stomped themselves. It just depends on what type of game that they're having. Um, you know, BC had a really good surge um, coming into the last two weeks, but the last two weeks they haven't looked very good. Calgary uh, looked like crap for about a month, which is very, very strange for them and something that we're not accustomed to. Um, but then this past game, you know, they looked very strong again, going and they're going to have a week off and then they're going to be hosting a playoff game. You know, and then you got Hamilton, who, uh, you know, could beat anybody in the league and still can. But, you know, since Brandon Banks has been out, they've looked like a different team. And so, uh, you know, they have potential to be great. And then Ottawa, again, early in the year and towards the middle part of the year, they've had games where they've looked very, very subpar. And yet they're the first team in the East, and they've had games where they've looked really good. So uh, it just – it's hard to say because no team, in my opinion, that's in the playoffs has – come out and strung together, you know, three or four weeks where they've looked amazing, you know, for that stretch of time. They've all gone through their challenges, and in the playoffs, you got to string together a couple of weeks. So whoever's able to do it is going to be the one that wins the championship, but all six of them have the ability. I just don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be interesting. It's, uh, that's the one thing, you're right, you, you don't know who it's going to be. Uh, yeah. The game should be great. It should, that's what makes our league awesome, though, you know, is that uh, – any team that gets in there really truly does have a chance, and um, it's going to be an exciting month of football for CFL fans. Uh, it's going to be an exciting month of football for Eskimo fans hosting the Grey Cup. This city, from everything I've heard, does an amazing job of it, and I have no doubt that uh, they'll do it again this year. Uh, there's that disappointment uh, that we're not in it, of course. Uh, I, I feel that disappointment probably more than anybody else, um, but I, you know, I think – by the time that game comes to this city, this city's gonna gonna embrace it, and they're gonna do things the right way as they always do. And you're gonna be around for some of it during. Grace I'll Park? be around for some, but I'm not gonna be here for the game. I get asked every year that we're not in it if I want to go sit in the box and watch the game and all that, and I'm like, no, I don't want to be anywhere near the site when that game's being played. Uh, that's part of it. The other part of it is, uh, you know, as is well known, I got two little girls uh, and my wife that are gonna be back home, um, and I have a hard time. Once it's officially off-season, convincing my wife that I have to be gone for football purposes, she's like, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, so, yeah, just to stay on everybody's good graces, I try to get home as quickly as I can. All right, Mike, as always, thanks for your time. Uh, I know you got some tough decisions to make this off-season, and best of luck with them all. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.